your advantage is when you can teach your clients how to play poker. Because your clients are the ones that are saying, I'm only going to buy if I get a pair of eights. But if you teach them how to play a jack 10, if you teach them how to play a king jack, if you teach them the different ways that you can win with real estate investing, your sales are going to go up as they play more hands of poker. So the question is this, how do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. All right, Real Estate Rockstars, and we are back. If you listened to us a few days ago, you're going to hear the rest of the interview of David and I talking about the real estate market and the boom and the bust of it. And if you didn't listen to the episode just a few days ago of me and David, go back and listen to that one first before you listen to this one. But now, here we go. Years ago, what a house sold for was not directly related to the cost. Mm-hmm. A builder would build it for as cheap as possible, but the sales price was whatever houses would sell for. Mm-hmm. And there was these, and sometimes there were giant margins. And then near the end, it got smaller because land prices would go up. And I think now, as construction costs go up, the sales price of a home, if we have a if we have a shortage of supply, I think the sales price of the home will become more closely related to replacement value. And replacement value is going up mm-hmm. because again, less labor, you know, material costs going up. So those are. So those are those are the things that are talking about why it's going to continue to go up. Let me make sure I'm sh- as I share my right screen. I've got so many screens, Dave. So I've I've got three computer monitors. The one in front of me here has two monitors on it. So I've got four screens. I'm always afraid I'm going to share the wrong one. Agents who expect pent up demand to be satisfied soon, ten percent. So it says in February and March, referral platform HomeLight conducted a survey survey of thirteen hundred real estate agents. Survey gauged agents take on the market only ten percent thought the amount of demand would be satisfied soon. 91% said, you know, nobody's going anything. So now we're going to go. So those are the, the numbers that are like, so that said the the non-hopeful numbers, but that, I don't know if the, that said the troubling numbers. So that was the troubling stuff, but really, I don't know if that's saying a boom or a bust was going to happen. Now let's see what they say. The hopeful numbers, the number of fully vaccinated Americans, 105.5 million. These crazy times kicked off the year with the pandemic. And now a bunch of people are getting uh, vaccinated. And so that is, you know, bring, I've got another article here that said the pandemic led decline of U.S. cities may be reversing. People are going back into New York. And I, I want to say, I was going to say that's San Francisco right there. That's, that's the picture of San Francisco. And they're mm-hmm. saying some people are coming back in. So maybe that's what they're talking about with this article about fully vaccinated Americans. Residential construction spending now $725 billion. Just this week, the Commerce Department published a new report that showed residential construction spending in March hit $725 billion, up 1.7% compared to February. That's not a huge jump, but that's a whopping 23% jump compared to last year. So that's part of the thing we're talking about. So, all right, they are pushing hard to try to bring some new supply in. A 23% jump, and that's pretty big. But that's also spending. That doesn't mean that that's translating into that many more houses. I think that's a that's a great point, right? Like house, you see the pictures too of like, hey, you used to be able to buy uh, you know a piece of plywood for this, and now it's Mm -hmm. worth ten times that. So spending going up twenty three percent might actually be less houses getting built this year. That's and their houses will be more expensive when they're built. 
The, yeah, it's a, these numbers also suggest that soaring material costs account for some of the rise aren't turning builders away from the sector. So I'm so I'm not sure how you're going to you know spin that as good news or bad news because it seems like maybe it didn't actually go up at all. Uh, flippers selling to owner occupants 57%. While the broad outlines of the current inventory shortage are generally understood, there's a, there's more demand for housing than there is supply. A number of lesser understood factors are also making the situation more extreme. One of those factors is institutional investors. In other words, landlords, flippers, startups, and other entities come in and outcompete buyers for houses. But now a February survey of more than 200 rehab and resale buyers from auction.com found that rehabbing and reselling to homeowners was the primary strategy. So I think this, they're saying it's a good thing if, um, you know, when I go in and I buy a new construction neighborhood, all is rentals. The bad part about that is a whole bunch of people that want to buy houses, they're still in the market. They're still demanding it. And, I'm, and I just want to rent them. Yeah. So I could see that being negative for the pent up demand. Mm-hmm. And they're saying right now, I think part of it, prices are going up so high that flippers are now saying, fine, I'll sell. I think, I, I don't know if I told you about the open door offer I got, but 18 months ago, they offered me 225,000 for a house. A month ago, they offered me 405. I didn't reply. And then they sent me another offer last week for 435. And so now I'm like, I'm going to pay that tenant to leave and I'm going to sell that house for 435,000. So I think, I think that's probably getting people to sell more to home owner occupied stuff. What do you see in the, in the Bay area in Northern California? From which perspective? Sam, are there, do you see institutional or investor buyers buying a lot of stuff or is it mostly, or is it, is it more owner occupants getting the new properties? It's more owner occupants getting properties. And, and even when I'm selling a house, 99% of the time I'm telling the person who owns it, even though I'd like to sell it and get a commission, if you have to sell it with a tenant in there, just don't sell. So there's several reasons why if you own a rental property with a tenant, you want to get them out. The first is if you're selling a house to someone that is occupied, the only person that can get a that can buy it is either a cash buyer who isn't going to pay top dollar, cash buyers want a deal, or someone who's buying it with an investment property to be an investment property themselves. Because you, you can't get an owner-occupant loan if there's a person living in the house already. So now you're selling to an investor who probably wants a deal. You're pool of buyers is limited to those with 20 to 25% to put down that want investment property. And they're probably not going to want an investment property that's a single family house with a tenant living in it because the return's not great. If you get that person out, or if you have like a duplex and you have one unit open, you can now sell to an owner occupant who's putting three to 5% down so they can pay a whole lot more. There's a much bigger pool of those people. So you're going to get multiple offers and investors can also buy it and just put somebody else in that other unit. So the financing options for the buyer become way, way more advantageous if there's an open unit where the property itself is open. And that's what helps determine the price you can get. Yeah. And, you know, investors too, I know real estate's a great way when people are talking about inflation, they're saying, I'm going to buy this house with my cash because it's going to go up more. But the cash offer, it does become less valuable as the interest rates go up because interest rates go up. The person getting a loan can afford more. If you have 200,000 in cash, and that's it. That's your, your cash buyer. You could spend 200000 Rates don't affect you. But somebody that could only afford 200000 six months ago can afford two thirty now. Yes. Same payment because rates are lower that's than they exactly were six months right. ago. And so the cash buyer becomes less important the bigger... Well, the also, Aaron, I'll say this too. People just, they hear cash and they think better, but not everyone asks why. The reason a cash buyer is better is they have a higher likelihood of closing. That's really all the benefit. The seller doesn't care if the cash came from the bank or from the buyer or for a combination of the two. The benefit of a cash offer is there's not contingencies. 
right? I don't have an appraisal contingency. I don't have a loan contingency. I will close on this house anyways. Well, most offers that we're writing out here don't have contingencies in them. They don't, you don't get a loan contingency. You don't get an appraisal contingency, which makes it operate a lot more like a cash buyer than before. So savvy sellers have kind of figured that out. If you're offering me 900 cash and that person's offering me 975 with a loan, but no contingencies, and there's a $40,000 deposit I can keep if you back out, I'm telling my client to go with the 975 offer that uh, that's, has a loan. It's still way, way better for them. So those that sort of use that sneaky little cash tactic, I don't know that that has the same weight that it used to. It doesn't. I don't think it has the same weight either. I had I had some similar stuff recently where I, I had several offers on the house and the ca- I had cash offers and I had the finance ones of $15,000 more and I went with those. I got an offer today on one of my flips and man, it was beautiful because it came in as a full price offer, but then they were waiving inspections and they were waiving appraisal contingencies. And they just said, hey, if it doesn't appraise, we're going to pay the difference. I haven't experienced that very much in Texas. And so getting to see that come in in an area where we did have one have trouble appraising this last week uh, because it was the most expensive. We had plenty of offers on it, but we didn't have comps to show it. So the having somebody else say, hey, if it doesn't appraise, I'm going to pay the difference makes a makes a big difference. So let me see what other articles we've got on here. So the last part of that bubble trouble was saying existing home sales in 2021 they think they think 6.2 million houses will sell this year. Uh, in 2020, 5.6 million homes sold. I don't think that's good news or bad. It seems like it's just more of the same. And if they had, if there were 10 million houses available to be sold, they would sell. Here's maybe the scariest one. This is an opinion piece that came out today. It says, uh, and this was on Inman. It's a bubble trouble. The housing crash will be worse than I predicted. Now, I guess we have to think that it's the writer doing it, but it says, uh, this is the fourth installment of Inman's five bubble series. The home seller market crash is worse than we predicted. If you're in real estate or mortgage business a year since the start of the pandemic, you'll likely see the world as the haves and the have nots. It's the, this is the home seller market crash. Inventory is at historic lows. Affordability is rapidly eroding due to price increases. On top of that, rates are climbing. Simply put, people who want to move can't. There are no quick fixes. So why then are some looking at our industry with rose-colored glasses is the glass half full? Some, I don't know that word, housing market will be strong in 2021. This baffles me. I believe they're taking a very narrow-minded set. So this, this, this guy they're going through kind of saying is now the time to rent instead of buy. So they're almost saying like, hey, the problem right now is you can't buy a house. Like, so the house, he's saying the housing market isn't strong because you can't, there aren't enough houses to, to sell. So I think when people say the housing market's strong, I guess there's two different perspectives. Like, are you talking sales prices? Yeah. Or are you saying, t- talking about volume? Yeah, that's a good point. I think that there is lower volume. There's less to sell. That's normal. But when most people look at the strength of the market, I think that what they're trying to figure out is, is it easy to get in or is it hard to get in? So from the perspective of strength, making it hard to get in, it's just becoming stronger and stronger. Yeah. That's like a, that, that's, that I, I don't like the attention grabbing headlines that I'm like, I think that he tricked me there. That's exactly because, what happens. Because I'm saying the market is strong because sales prices go up. But I could also see why people are like, no, this isn't strong. This sucks because there's still a hundred times as many mm-hmm. renters and in, in, there's, there's thousands of people trying to rent houses in the city where there's 45 available rentals. Like it's just a, it's just crazy as we push it. Here's, here's one you're going to like. So the, the, the two, two others. So the first one that we touched on that I think the vaccine may, may help. Uh, 
So May 4th by Roeder said, the pandemic led decline of U.S. cities may be reversing. Fears that U.S. cities would be emptied are giving way to potential signs of revival. I saw New York said they were going to do in, in September. Broadway was back on. My kids will be so excited if they get to go to Beetlejuice. We were scheduled to go to Beetlejuice. And then, you know, in May of last year, that obviously got canceled and then they shut down the show. So they're like, let's go to New York and see something. This says New York is growing again. The city adding 1,900 people in the first two months of 2021 versus a loss of 7,100 in the same two months of 2019 and the 110,000 that left the city in 2020. Dude, that's a crazy number. 110,000 people left the city you know, in 2020. The turn may have begun last fall when the usual seasonal jump in population centered around co- college students. So that's talking, and it says expensive markets like New York City, San Francisco saw an already established trend of populations loss accelerate. Bank of America analysts wrote, but they know that people tended to not move far. Real Estate Rockstars, this is a commercial break from our biggest podcast sponsor we have right now, Rent Ready. It can be fun getting a new real estate deal, but it can be tough managing your properties after the fact especially if you're long distance investing or trying to manage multiple properties by yourself. That's why we're here to tell you about RentReady. RentReady is a property management software that not only makes it easier to manage all your real estate deals from one platform, but they also have the best customer service support in the biz. They're an all-in-one app that lets you easily manage properties, collect rent, list units, screen tenants, sign leases, all from your phone or computer. Imagine all of your real estate doors right in your pocket. How awesome is that? The best part is it's so affordable, one flat price for everything. Unlimited properties, tenants, and support with a real live human. And I have to add in there, that's a new business model that not a lot of people are doing. There's like this freemium model where people say, hey, you can try this, but as soon as you grow, it's gonna cost you a lot of money. Or they kind of punish you when you get too many emails on your list or too many companies. They aren't gonna punish you when you grow. They're not gonna charge you more when you get 10, 20, 30 rentals. They're gonna charge you the same when you have two or three as they will when you have 50 or 60. So you have a nice fixed cost, all software, all in one place. Check it out, RentReady, R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com. And if that's not enough, RentReady is giving our listeners a special code you can use to get a whole year of RentReady for just $54. Use code R-O-C-K-S-T-A-R-50, that's Rockstar50, and sign up for RentReady's annual plan at RentReady.com. Again, R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com with code ROCKSTAR50 to get rent ready for only $54. I think when I was talking to you last, I was like, hey, is the Bay Area getting crushed? And you were like, well, San Francisco, people might be leaving San Francisco, but like the Bay Area is a big place. And they might be leaving the city of San Francisco, but they're not moving far. What have you What have you been seeing out there? Is the city coming back to life? Have you gone into San Francisco? Is the city coming back to life at all? Yeah, I'm there all the time. We sell a lot of houses in San Francisco. I would say when you look at San Francisco, more people left to go to the East Bay where they could get more house for less money. That's, that's, uh, that's obvious. In San Francisco, people left condos more than they left single family homes. That also makes sense. So what we've seen out of that little tier is the single family homes in San Francisco have roared back. They are selling very fast, very high. I was talking to one of my, uh, Johnny, one of my top buyers agents, and he told me, we have certain buyers that he's going to have to call and say, look, I just don't think we can work with you right now. I think you should look either in another city or not buy in San Francisco. They chased houses listed at 900,000 that sold for 1.6. 
that 900 to 1.6, like whatever the percentage of that is, right? Like almost a hundred percent increase, like 75, 80% increase in price is so illogical. You really can't make sense out of that. Like whatever the list price is just literally has nothing to do. It's like an auction, right? And we're just saying the starting bid is 900,000. Those are in single family homes that have the ability to like house hack. So if it's got a finished basement, but it's really nice, someone can rent out the basement. The condo market hasn't come back as strong, but it's not as weak as it was. It was really pathetic for a while. It was very hard to sell condos. Those are selling again, but they're just sitting there a lot longer. The single family homes have already come back. And I'm still telling people, like, I know that this is controversial stance that I'm taking. I took a controversial stance with COVID. I said, I don't think it's going to cripple our economy. I think we're going to shut everything down. And I think if it gets too bad, we're going to open it back up. Now, what happened was the government just printed a bunch of money. And so it really didn't impact us at a macro scale, hardly at all from an economic standpoint, not from a health standpoint. And I'm saying the same thing about San Francisco and probably New York. They are going to have a temporary dip as people leave and don't want to live there. They're going to open up again. You'd have to be crazy to think that when New York City and San Francisco are back to what they were before, that everyone's like, yeah, I changed my mind. I just don't really like that environment. People that want to live in those places that have been flocking there for decades are going to go back. They're going to be strong again. Maybe some of the politicians there are kind of screwing things up by increasing taxes on people. And so a certain demographic might leave that area. But overall, people are going to go back to those spaces. And so yeah, like you're seeing there's not a lot of people in San Francisco like there was, but it's not like houses are sitting there for 90 days not selling. They're still selling in 12 to 14 days or, or sooner most of the time. Yeah, I think that's it. It is a good now people are realizing that we're more mobile as a society and businesses like that. So you could actually move back to a city now easily and say, hey, if this happens again, I'll move out again. That's exactly right. Right. Yep. Like, hey, no, I'm going to go back now. And if they shut the city down, I'm going to move again. Now, there are some people that do not like moving back and forth and making changes. There's people that moved to Hawaii for a while this last year. And now they're moving back, you know, because and there's and I don't even know how that happens. And you move to I mean, it's one, of your, <laughs> it's one of your favorite places to go to. I don't know how you move to Maui and then decide that you want to not live there anymore. So we can only do it in, in doses. How are your uh, you, you have Airbnbs out there right now? I bought two of them. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up Airbnb as a quick segue before you ask me that question. So a lot of people may not realize this, but Aaron is a very good poker player. I play poker maybe every two to three years. And for someone who plays two to three years, I do really good. I usually end up at the winner's table, but I don't, I don't have like a, I'm not a super great poker player. Aaron got much farther than I did. I think he won the whole thing at the last I, I event right we now. did. Yeah. So what I want to highlight is that real estate is much more like poker than anybody realizes when you're playing poker, you don't just say, I only play a pair of eights and anything else I don't play. So when the eights are coming my way and I can start off with pocket eights, I'll play that hand. I know how to play that hand. I know what to do. But any other hand, I'm not playing it. There's people that approach real estate investing in sales like that. Yeah. I buy in this market under these circumstances when it looks like this. And if it's not like that, I'm just not going to play. And they end up frustrated all the time because you don't control when the eights come your way in real estate. You don't control the market. The good poker players understand what hands are worth playing, what hands are not worth playing, how the blinds affect when you play what hands, and then how to play each hand. Okay. So I like to look at real estate. Like you just said, here's the reality of the market. People are moving around a lot. All right. So I can own a house in San Francisco. And then if it, if a pandemic shuts it down, I'm probably going to go look for an Airbnb somewhere. So where are those people going to go? They're going to go Airbnb a property in Scottsdale, Arizona. 
And then when San Francisco changes, they're going to move back. So what David does is I try to set up my portfolio to have options for all of those kind of people. I want to have short-term rentals because I think that as the housing market heats up, people are going to want to rent properties a lot more. They're going to want to move around a lot. I think as people can work from home, that doesn't literally mean they're going to be sitting in the suburbs. Working from home is probably going to be, I want to work in Hawaii. I want to work in a nice area. I want to go where the weather's nice and it's fun. And I'll, I'll live there for three months and then I'll go back when things open up. So it's, it's good to kind of understand real estate at that level, all the different hands that you play with poker so that regardless of what cards you get, you have a strategy that will work. And I think as we're seeing so many agents flooding the market and there's so much more competition for all of us that make our living selling houses, your advantage is when you can teach your clients how to play poker. Because your clients are the ones that are saying, I'm only going to buy if I get a pair of eights. But if you teach them how to play a jack 10, if you teach them how to play a king jack, if you teach them the different ways that you can win with real estate investing, your sales are going to go up as they play more hands of poker. Dude, I have not heard that analogy out there, but there is, yes, there isn't just one way to skin this cat. There's not one. If you want to be a real estate investor, there's millions of ways. There's, I mean, there's an infinite number of ways that you can, you can make money in real estate with no money. You can make money in real estate if you've got big investment money. You know, lots of different, lots of different options out there. And the, and yes, being able to play whatever the market has in it. You know, our last housing market article of the day. Yeah, you know, the red hot housing market isn't likely to crash soon. Experts warn prices will only climb higher from here. So this was, I think if if I was going to, if this was a bulls versus bears debate. You know, you know, we were going through all of our info at the end of it. My vote is I think the market is more likely to go up right now than not, you know. And so this would probably be the good summary at the end of today's article for me. You know, experts see little risk of the housing market's boom turning into a bubble, but that doesn't mean there's no reason to worry. Um, but they see little risk of a housing market crash, but instead new troubles from rising prices. That's kind of what that other article said. As prices go up, there's other things that that, that that creates problems. Millennials are reaching peak home buying age, and now they're getting priced out of the market. Uh, lumber prices and accelerated construction would slow price inflation, but only somewhat. And I don't think lumber is going to go any cheaper unless they you know, do some sort of a, a incentive, a stimulus to incentivize, incentivize that. In many ways, this market resembles the state of play in 2005 and 2006, which was the peak of a previous bubble that burst. But a few key differences separate today's market from that one 15 years ago. Oh my God, 15 years ago. I re- I definitely, that was such a traumatic time in my life that the, I can't believe that was 15 years ago. So I don't see the, the so the guys are interviewing Fed chairs. I don't see kind of financial stability concerns in the housing sector before it was built up on bad loans. Before there was there wasn't an excess in you know months of inventory. Even during the peak, we got like two or three months of inventory. You know, when it was really really hot market. Right now, we're at like less than a month of inventory in most places. Mm-hmm. Higher lumber prices on here. I don't see values going down at any point. Says the chief economist at, at Redfin. You know, a lot of people. We, my hope would be that over time, housing builders can react to this demand and come up with more supply. And workers will come back to work in that industry. It's kind of like saying like the housing problem isn't that it's going to crash. The housing problem is there isn't a solution to get prices back down. That's you know? a great, and, great point. And I think, and I, and I agree with that more than just about anything else. Like if rates get really, really high, then, you know, affordability goes down. And so that supply demand equation, but if rates get really, really high, then 
cash investors are going to be more likely to buy houses in cash instead of borrow on them because now they're going to make a higher return on their money. You know, I don't know what rates does to rents. You know, I, I, I don't think, I, I don't think that it has a, an impact to it. Do you have any thoughts on that? I think what makes this tricky is we're using logic that applies when the dollar's value is steady and can be predicted. So rates go up, value goes down, rates go down, value goes up. That makes sense. But what about when wages are going up every year because of inflation? Well, that just kind of throws everything off because now rates can go up, but prices will still go up because inflation went up. So even though the price went up, the value of the home might have went down. It's very hard. It's a moving target when it comes to uh, how you can predict what the dollar's worth. That's why it's almost smarter to look at it to say, how many whoppers would it take to buy a house? Because the price of the Whopper moves steadily with inflation. Yeah, the price. That's going to be my new. That's going to be my new think factor forever. Is how how many Whoppers did it take then, and how many Whoppers did it take? Because the Whopper was the dollar. Uh huh. And now the that means it takes four four dollars for that Whopper. Now. Imagine what a Whopper would cost, Darren, if you could finance it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. If I could pay you in thirty years for that Whopper, right? I'd pay four hundred bucks for the Whopper. Because I'd only have to give you a four cents a day and it'd be really easy to just pile up that mm-hmm. stack of those. You know, I think that, so when I say like what impact will rates have on rents, I, maybe, I, so based on what you said and thinking about that, I don't think it has that big of an impact on rents. I think inflation has a big impact on rents. Huge. Because and that's what I'm really getting at here. Because inflation is the whopper yep. category of it's, it's not an investment. It's an expense and it's an expense that goes out fast. People that pay rent, it's like, again, when you're buying a house, that's an expense, but it's also an investment. It's your property over time. It goes up. When you are renting a property, the, that is disposed, that cash is gone. You spend it, it's gone. It's an expense, just like buying a Whopper. And so I think that inflation is usually affected more on those things that are not long-term investments, but quick burning a hole in your pocket sort of stuff. So you know, last question. This has been a, a long podcast. As the listeners that have, that have stuck with us, the as we've done, our, we kind of split this into two podcasts here as we got to talk about so much info. Most importantly, I see David's books behind him. You know, it's, it's, I know so many of you guys out there are, his, are super fans of David's from his first book, Long Distance Real Estate Investing. And then his second one, Buy, Rehab, Rent, re- Refinance, Repeat. Burr is like the biggest like s- thing that people are saying in real estate. I got guys I'm going to high school with that are quoting Burr all over the time as they're reaching out to me in social media. But your recent one sold every real estate agent's guide to building a profitable business. How is that going with sales right now? I got to ask about sales. The reviews have been super good. My understanding of sales is that they're very strong. I just don't know exactly what that means right now. I got to ask bigger. Yeah, your sales shit. are always like, you can't keep track. I'm like, look what I did this last year. You're like, I did that last month, dude. <laughs> well, I'm sure anybody, anybody that hasn't bought the book yet. I have the book. I've got it. Look at this. Not just a plug. Cause Dave was going to be on here today. I got the book front and center on my table. I've read it. Great book. Uh, David's book out there. So if you're an agent and you haven't gotten the book yet, this is the first in a series, right? You're going to have, you're going to do some yep. other, Kind of book two is due out early next year. And then book three, I'm about halfway finished writing. So that book right there is how as an inexperienced or a new agent, you build a profitable business. Most of your listeners are probably in that point. I want to make some money. What do I do? Yeah. The next book will be how to be a top producer. Yeah, this is a quick read too. You buy this book, you spend three hours reading this thing. You are going to feel so inspired and on it. David Green with the David Green team. 
the and so many other things out there. It was awesome talking to you. What are what final thoughts? Ways people can find you out there. People can find me on social media at David Green 24. Definitely direct message me there. I'm hiring for the David Green team. I'm hiring for the mortgage company and I'm hiring for some other positions in the different businesses I have. So if somebody is an empire builder, wants to take over the world, wants the right place to do it, please reach out to me. You can visit joindavidgreenteam.com. You can apply and we'll get in touch there. I'm going to I'm going to add something on the back of that. I'm hiring in Austin. So the, we're talking about empire builders, people joining the team to help build the teams, whether it's our software company and other stuff. If you're out in Austin and uh, you like real estate and you like software and you like some of the other stuff that we're doing, you like podcasts and you want to you change, reach out to me as well. David, again, it's always so great to talk to you. Thanks for coming on the show. Real Estate Rockstars. Thanks for listening. Thanks, sir. All right, Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Muchastegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show. Hopefully you guys loved listening to that one and I wanna make sure that you know about all of the extra resources that we have and also we need your help. They say podcasts are free. You get to listen to podcasts for free, but what is the cost of that podcast? I would say if I could beg you to pay anything for that podcast, I would say the cost of the podcast is going and giving a review. So whether you download it on Google or Apple or YouTube or anywhere else, please go give us a review. Say what you liked, what you didn't like. It helps us get better guests. The more reviews, the higher we get in the rate rankings. Right now, we are the biggest podcast out there for real estate agents. And we want to keep that spot because we know there's lots of podcasts out there. So go give us a review. Also, be sure to go to hybendigital.com. If you liked any of the resources that those real estate agents talked about, we've got a huge video vault of those resources for free. Every punny that comes on the podcast that we interview, they give us something that helps them get their deals or helps them work with their clients. And we put that in the toolbox in our vault for you. So go to hybendigital.com and you can get it. If you're looking for real estate education, go to rebusuniversity.com. We have all sorts of courses in there to help agents succeed in real estate how to get the listing how to negotiate deals you know how to become an investor all sorts of different stuff rebusuniversity.com and if you want to chat with me go find me on instagram if you come find me on instagram you can send me messages tell me what you want to hear tell me what you liked what you didn't like we try to put a bunch of content out there too you can find me in two different places it's at rerockstars.com for our real estate rockstars page or at aaronamuchastegui.com for my personal Instagram page where I can chat with you about all sorts of different things. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.